0: Did we figure out a cold open?
1: I think
2: I thought you were gonna do it. I thought I thought we were all three gonna split it. I thought that was the response of like what Like split what? Put the cold open. Like it would be all three of us pretty much equal, you know? Like doing what? Like I don't but maybe this. I don't know. This is a terrible cold open. We when have we ever that. had a good cold open? Let's be real. About Welcome it. to Junkhouse. It's a freak out. Welcome back. Tell is, me. Tell me. Yeah, uh, we're back on uh, we're back on Cordell's Oktoberfest, uh, which welcome is Welcome back, welcome back. Which is of course the month of the year where we celebrate all things spooky. Um This is and- the one
0: after the really funny one. So this one's probably not going to be that funny because I mean yeah. last week's was, you know, 69 Friday the 13th.
2: Yeah, we're on episode 70. It's Lucky basically season too. 2 of Junkhouse, let's be real. Yeah, this is
1: officially Junkhouse season 2. Which it's weird to do it in the middle of an arc, but um, hey, we're yeah. different. Like, that. we're hey, not gonna have understand. another funny episode for approximately three hundred twenty minus sixty nine, three hundred fifty. Oh, dang it, Caleb! <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: just did math. I freaking hate you, Caleb. It, I don't it, even want to do this. You, you know, I'm gonna sit it, quietly for it's okay. Well, we watched some movies this week. Some of us watched more movies than others uh which is the typical (laughs) uh refrain i guess for cordell's oktoberfest because i am a pansy um
0: hey that's okay
2: it's okay this week you're our pansy we watched opal which is a jack stober 12 minute short film we watched cabin in the woods and we watched some of us watched Marink, which is uh uh, movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> which is a movie.
2: <laughs> Cabin
1: in the Woods was uh, directed by Drew Goddard, who is actually a, a director that I really, really appreciate. Other films by his. Uh, he wrote for Cloverfield, wrote and directed Cabin in the Woods, wrote for World War Z, wrote for The Martian, uncredited but helped on Deadpool 2, and then wrote and directed Bad Times at the El Royale.
0: Ooh, okay. And Skinnamarink is the directorial debut of Kyle Edward Ball. Hmm. <laughs> and then Opal, though, is Jack Staubert, which is he's made a lot of other
2: stuff. I'm a, a I'm a fan of his stuff overall. Me too. Um, I probably listened to his music to an annoying degree. Uh but it's great. It's really fun. Uh I you know,
0: he's got maybe. an album called Jack Stauber's Micropop.
2: Yes. And it's
0: fire. And
2: it's uh, a lot of the songs are like 15 to 20 seconds. It's really great. Uh he has one song on there that's a full song called Baby Hotline uh that I adore and think it's one of my favorite songs ever um it's great it's a great time and uh let's be honest opal is his most like daring project to date because it's yeah fucking wild it was really 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 good
0: give us a little rundown caleb what's what's opal
2: about opal is about uh, do you want like that? What actually happens, or do you want me? Yeah, to, what actually uh, happens? Okay. Spoils. Yeah, spoils it's, it's ahead. Hard to
0: spoil a thirteen-minute yeah short film. Well, it's
1: really it's really actually easy to bum fiddle a thirteen-minute short film.
0: Well, yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> there's we're, very little to
0: fiddle. There's we'll bum, very bum to fiddle.
2: We're gonna fiddle. To fiddle. We we're go. gonna fiddle some bums real quick. Um, mm. Say that slower. We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for slowing that down in post, Sammy. Uh, that is, yeah, that is oh, really yeah. fun. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Oh. Also, by the at the end of the episode, we're going to do a better cold open. If you could add that in post to that. <laughs> yeah, would. Sure, of course. Of course.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Dextober's you- Opal. It starts with a little girl. It's seemingly her birthday because her family has a cake for her and then they sing a song that is a banger that goes like we see you opal and it's pretty great uh and then she looks across the street what's across the street it's a haunted fucking or a creepy fucking house and then her mom's like don't oh. you dare look at that house opal don't look at that that's not it and it's then, not
1: where you would like to be opal
2: isn't it a burger yeah, there's also a burger, and she She's dances on, on a plate. She dances on a plate. And it's really fun. I'm not gonna lie, that scene brings me so much joy. It's um, also
0: all, like, claymation. The heads are all claymation, and the bodies are, like, normally actual human bodies. Yeah. It's a really interesting animation style.
2: Yeah, it's it's similar. They do it sometimes on, like... Um, on like Muppets and stuff. Like it's kind of like a Swedish chef yeah. is is a puppet head, but two human hands. Um but instead of
0: puppet, it's claymation.
2: That's yes. also why Swedish Chef is the Muppet I would have sex with. Yeah, Ooh. I, I get it. Human hands. What about Beaker? Oh, you know. I would, put, I would put I would put Dew's head up, my asshole. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so this little wow, this so uh ahead. opal then goes to bed and she looks across the street and she instead sneaks out uh and goes to the creepy house across the street where she meets three creepy tempted. people yeah she's being tempted by, ghosts. by this yes by ghosts and weird shit uh there's an old man downstairs who sings and we'll talk more about we'll go into more on each one of these as we go through the movie. he, he keeps calling her Claire keeps calling her Claire he's blind he which can't is see. important, which is important each person too something Claire would, yeah everyone is, calls Opal Claire. It's important to something I'm gonna bring up later um then uh she goes upstairs and there's a man that's just staring at himself in a bunch of mirrors. Uh that freaks her the fuck out and she runs away into a room with a really old woman that is surrounded by pills and alcohol bottles and it's really depressing. And then she runs away again and she goes back home to her family. Uh yeah. She goes upstairs more. Oh yeah, she goes upstairs more, th- oh, yeah, goes upstairs more yeah. <laughs> to a little room. But at and the then, end of the movie. She yeah. goes
0: up she runs upstairs. And there's the big reveal of she looks Mm -hmm. out the window and there's a billboard for Opal's burgers. And it's like this company that, you know, and it has a fan, the the family you saw at the beginning is on the billboard, but it's a different girl other than the main character. And
1: then it's like, the Opal on the billboard is not Opal.
0: Yeah. And she like barred the door. When you get up to that top room, the way it shows and looks around, it like shows a bed It shows, like, this is somebody's room. Um, Probably Opals, air quotes, Opals, our main character. Because it shows the, like, billboard, and then she, like, is freaking out because she's hearing all the people banging on the door because they're trying to to get to her. And then it zooms back into her brain and shows her coping and singing the initial song, but reprised. And then it's oh, uh, it's mm,
1: ooh yeah, and it mm. and it zooms out at the end.
0: Yeah, out and of her no head. There's no other
1: house. Yeah, it zooms out and out of the house, and it's the house she broke into, and the billboard, and that's all there is.
0: That's all there is.
1: Yeah. So it's clearly, broken. that was that was about the potato famine,
0: of course. Yeah. Burgers.
2: Yeah. Burgers, no fries. There were so no fries. Potato famine. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I cracked the code,
1: Jack Stauber. Make another one. I'll Look, find out. I'll so find out what it is. Do yeah. we want
2: to go through each of the three creepy people kind of one by one and kind of yeah. talk we're, about we're, it?
1: D- dibs on the dibs on the guy. The 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 the, the, the TV guy. Dibs.
0: Okay, then go. Dib.
1: He's first. Go. Yeah, okay. The, okay, the, okay. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, this this poor poor man, um he he is blind. And very very uh, unhealthy and overweight and sickly looking, and he's just sitting in his chair with the TV on, and he's like, "Claire, Claire, bring me my cigarettes," and so Opal brings him the cigarettes, and then while well, while well, he's he sings, and he sings all his little song. three characters.
0: Everybody sings. Sings. They all sing a song. song,
1: and his song talks about why does it sound so easy to breathe on TV and then about how like they want his soul and all this stuff. He get he kind of breaks down and gets like more and more like disturbed as the song goes on. He's an mm-hmm.
0: idea man.
1: He's an idea man. He's very very intelligent. Um I think it would be neat to discuss whatever each of us tells about the person if we talk do- talk about like what we think the thematic concepts at play are and like what what it's like talking about. Yeah. Do you like that? So,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Uh there I I did I watched it again uh yesterday and there was one line from the old man I wanted to bring up to make sure it got out there and it is there's a point um where the old creepy man in front of the TV says it's evil to help people who don't want to be helped Claire
1: Yeah which is a baller line um regardless of what you think about it that's a baller line It's a baller line um so he sings this whole song and like the, the things around it, they're like lips that sing with him and there's all sorts of like advertisement imagery. And like what I really got from it, what I think it's about is like, he's a chain smoker. He is in in a lot of ways. He is like TV's prime demographic. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, especially cable television. um, you know, there there are a lot, a lot of people out there who are housebound, whether by choice or by, like, necessity. And all they really have all day is a TV. Like, they have entertainment. And they a lot of them drink and smoke and sit. And they are shown a better life. They're shown a better world. They are shown, a, it sounds easier to breathe on TV. Life is better on TV. And at the same time, he sings about, like, they want my soul. You know, like not only is it easy to breathe on TV, but everything's advertising to you. Even even shows you watch have advertisements within them from like companies agreeing for product placement and things like that. Like you are constantly getting sold something. They're constantly getting things from you or like trying to make your life better, really just showing you a better world to keep you watching. And so like for me, it it rang very, very true because I've known a lot of people in my life like him. Uh-huh. um, who it's like, that's their world, and that's all they have. And it's just like their their own life gets worse and sadder while they're watching people who have an easier time breathing. <laughs> yeah and it's just like like he can't even get out of his chair to get his own cigarettes. like it's it is just it's just miserable. And of course, being blind is mondo symbolic, like he can't even really see at all. He just hears and he's pretty sure it's better, but he doesn't have any way to accurately gauge his environment or his surroundings to compare the two. Just yeah. like a lot of people, you know, like they yeah. are not able to fully engage with their own living situation. He's a sheep and he's a sheeple. But he also he thinks he's smart and sees really far and has big ideas, which is. That's the saddest part to me personally. I'm gonna get a little bit of bummer here, but this is kind of a bummer. bummer yeah, bummer. Opal, opal's a bummer. Opal's a bummer. Um, <laughs> like, you ever heard of the Dunning Kruger effect? It's like yeah, it's the opposite reminder. of imposter. Okay, so imposter syndrome is I know enough to know how much I don't know. Yeah, right. Dunning Kruger is the opposite. It is I don't know enough. To realize how much I don't know, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. I know so little that I falsely assume I know a lot.
2: Man, how bad of a man was Dunning Kruger that they were like, "We're gonna name this whole thing of being a dumbass after you." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was two researchers, but that's a solid joke. Yeah. (laughs) What an idiot. Yeah.
1: How cool was Imposter that he got a whole syndrome named after being (laughs) awesome? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well,
0: Um, awesome but humble
1: awesome but humble that's that's my boy imposter um but no like so many people especially that live life like that like kind of go through like i'm an idea person i see very far i've got all this big stuff and that's why they're so easy to dupe yeah which bums me
2: out and makes Uh, me nervous how uh, easy am i to dupe? i was not very um dang it i will say uh, if, you wanna, if you want a great example of the Dunning-Kruger effect on full display, just, we've, we've shouted out this documentary before, but just go watch Beyond the Curve. Yes. Because uh, it is full on, just so many people just displaying, showing their whole asses Yep. Uh, on this. But
1: like they talk about in Behind the Curve, these are people with inquisitive minds but who lack the base level of understanding to do productive things with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like they are, they're observant and they ask questions, but they, the problem is when they falsely assume that they can come up with the answer with no research or expertise. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I loved that. That was my favorite part of Opal was his song. Like it, it is the one that I've thought about the most since then it sits with me, especially I'm a big media person. Like I'm always consuming media. And so it's like really nice to have those things that like challenge me to reflect the messages I'm getting from what I'm consuming and sending with what I'm creating.
2: I mean, speaking of reflect
0: zing transition,
2: this is, this is my favorite section of Opal. Uh, so we go on. You have Opal has dealt with the old man in front of the TV, and she goes up to someone who is just a full-blown narcissist, uh to the point yeah. where he has surrounded himself with mirrors, and he he as soon as he sees opal slash Claire, uh, because he calls her Claire, he instantly starts making fun of the only thing he can see, which is her shoes and her ankles. Yeah, (laughs) And then he launches into an absolute banger of a song um, about how he was rejected from something. And now he spends the rest of his time staring at himself and trying to improve himself and make himself better than everyone. Um, God
1: is in my
0: skin.
2: Yeah, and it, it gets to the point where he gives him a God complex, and which is exactly the the whole God is in my skin bit. Uh I I loved this. The song is a very like energetic, upbeat, like kind of wild time where Jack Stober is obviously the one singing. For the old man, he pitch shifts his own voice down. And for mirror man, he ramps it up throughout the song and shifts it upward. And it's really, really fun to listen to. It's really um fun. it is really good. Um, I I wanted to highlight some of the lyrics because I think it gets to the 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 core of it. Yeah. Um hold on. Wilder, what are you what why are you being an asshole? Okay,
1: really quick some of the lyrics from the old man's song just like really like it starts with like I'm popular here. They all sing to me like idea salesman. They want my soul. Like they're fighting over me. Like it's just really good.
2: Actually, no, cut this part out. Not worth it. Um, I mean, I think we could, you know what? No, let's actually go back and hit some of those lyrics. Honestly, because if the lyrics are important for all of them, you know, it's not, that's true. Uh, that's true. But yeah, his,
1: his is his is a quick one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like I thought it was really big that like he's like the idea salesman. They want me. I'm popular here. Like it, it is all about me. Um, they want my soul, and it's just why don't you tell me why it sounds so easy? So he's like he's like they all want me and I'm popular. That's all the advertisements. But also like life is so much
2: better on TV. Yeah. The song is called Mirror Man, uh, which obviously already reflects how much he's a narcissist. Um, The chorus, which gets repeated twice, but the second one is slightly different. They turned me down. Now I live my nightmare. Gotta be seen by someone out there. Now I sit here in reflection chamber, fixing myself so that all can save her. Already, like, there's so much that, that's dense in four lines. Yeah, for real. Um, but then the verse follow me, I'm on the brink of visual epiphany. Life is a costume away, life is a war, or life's a wardrobe change. So I can shift and create a rift with beauty and with grin. Blushes, sensation creates the foundation that God is in my skin what the fuck jack that's
1: so good the last line of that song is crafting the world its next new
2: savior yeah yeah now i sit here in reflection javier in reflection chamber crafting the world its next new savior i mean let's be honest i think every one of us has had to deal with a narcissist in our life i'm related uh, to one. i'm also related to one <laughs> i am one I think <laughs> but I also am of the idea that everybody has narcissistic tendencies and to course. some degree. And so I think uh I the same way that like if we're looking at the first man everybody to some degree just I think everybody kind of envies the people that are stupid enough to believe the bullshit because there is some degree where ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> and so For I real. think to to a degree everybody can relate to these two characters. Of even if you're not relating fully to the narcissist point, everybody has a feeling at some point in their life of if I change this, everyone will like me.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um and these two these two characters are brilliantly done and horrifically made um through the claymation.
0: Talking about horrifically made, we gotta talk about the third character.
2: Oh my god. Claire's I,
0: oh. So that song is called Virtuous Cycle, which is mm-hmm. obviously a play off of Vicious Cycle. Um, I'm. I was reading a little bit on Genius earlier, um, and it, it's talking about how this character of Claire's mother is like a drug addict, an alcoholic, who abuses her daughter the way she abuses her, her, um, vices. That's the word I was looking for.
1: Substances <laughs> as well. Um,
0: and it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like the the words it's only four lines total in the entire song and it's mama needs a little girl to land on mama needs a little girl to fall in her arms mama needs a mama's girl to take care of her mama needs a baby girl to hold her hair and it's like I it's your fault you need to take care of me you're my kid you need to take care of me you fucked up I'm a terrible person because of you (laughs) it's uh is crazy when when Opal go, first goes in. You don't even see the mother because she is passed out like on the floor and then she grabs Opal's ankle and is like like saying it's Claire and like talking down to her and being an asshole and then gets into that song.
2: <laughs> it's.
0: Oh, is yeah. crazy.
2: And it's it's. I also like the the name of the song being virtuous cycle versus what we know it's a vicious cycle because it also kind of reflects, and this is uh, Caleb may be extrapolating too much and pulling too much out of it. Um, but there is a, there are two types of what are called economic cycles, which are called virtuous cycle and a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. America is a vicious economic cycle. Where it increases corporate greed, which brings in foreign investors, which makes it to where America cannot depend on itself. It has to depend on other people, which is what we're at. Yeah. Versus what is known as a virtuous cycle, which most people that live in America pretend we're in, where America is independent and does not really need other people. And a, a, a virtuous cycle creates... Better stuff for the next generation, and it gets gotcha. better and better over time um versus a vicious cycle, which just makes it worse and harder yeah, yeah. I think
1: too, one of my favorite things that Jack does in, in with all these characters, and also one of the like real things i've noticed because like like I've mentioned i I work at a treatment center, like I deal with a lot of people who have been like spending their lives in addictions and abuse and trauma and all sorts of different things. And it's like Mm -hmm. one of the biggest traits that I've noticed is that people who are unhealthy and I think people who are unhealthy to a lesser degree, but like people who are unhealthy often falsely believe that their worst trait is the one they have the most of. Like, So it's like, I've known a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm really mature for my age. And they're the least mature person in the room. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, or people who are like, I'm really empathic. But what it really, what they really mean is I feel a lot and assume what people think and feel without actually listening to them, you know? Uh And so it's like in, in this thing, all these characters kind of have that going on. Like, like the, the woman up in the room is like, I'm a good mom, you know, like I'm taking care of you. I need you. I got I'm I'm so caregiving, but she's emotionally abusive and over dependent on Opal.
2: So this is the spring of another thing that I've noticed is that there is like another thing I've noticed being around people that struggle with addiction is at the longer they struggle with it. Some of them tend to, instead of saying I have a problem, say the world has the problem. I'm just doing what I can to deal with it, yep, um, and all three of these characters exemplify that where you have it's so easy to breathe on t v. He's looking outwards. People rejected me, so I'm stuck here reflecting in this chamber. and then finally, the mother specifically blaming opal slash Claire, like yeah. you were supposed to be there. That's why I'm like this,
0: yeah,
1: it is, and like. I I had a really good conversation actually with, with one of the clients at work yesterday and we were talking and cause this guy had done cocaine for years. Like, Mm -hmm. and he was like, I used to be super outdoorsy. I used to be like, I used to hate being indoors. And then I started doing drugs and I was constantly inside all the time. And like when he got, when he got there, like and admitted he was, he was looking terrible. And then after a couple of weeks he started looking better and he was telling me, he was like, Whenever I was on cocaine, I thought that that was the best me. Like the way I looked, the way I acted, I thought that that was the best me and everyone else had it wrong and was confused. But then once I got out of it and started being healthier, I can accurately see just how bad I was and how bad of a situation Mm -hmm. I was in because I've moved past it. But like he hit the nail on the head, like when you are in deep and stuck in your own vicious cycles, You think that that's the best you and that everyone else is just an idiot. No one. They don't know any better. You know, they don't get you. It's evil to help people that don't want your help. That is that is a sentiment I hear a lot, especially from like minors who are sent to treatment for drugs and stuff. They're like, no one gets me. I can live how I want. It's evil to try and help me. How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like so I. I, I feel very, very strong feelings about Opal. This whole, it, it is such an impactful, like, quarter of an hour.
2: Now, I'm going to ask a question that is, okay. according to Jack Stober's subreddit, one of the most hotly debated topics. Okay.
0: And then we'll go into which, a movie that affected me a lot.
2: Yeah. Which family is the real family? The, the bad one. The bad yeah. one, the bad yeah. one, hundred percent. I agree. Like I agree.
0: There, I, I think it is very blatant in the the short film that that family is the only real family. Like it ends with the showing that the family from the beginning, the nice family, is only in her head. <laughs> like it zooms out of her mind and through the back of her head. Like it shows that going back in. So I feel like there is no. I I, yeah. I guess I can understand the ambiguity, but it feels like yeah. that's the only right which, answer.
1: I don't, I don't think that, it's ambiguous
2: personally, but also yeah. that means we we don't see Opal the whole time. We are we're seeing Claire. We're seeing Claire. Yes. It's one hundred percent Claire.
1: And but I think I think it is accurate to call her Opal until yeah. the end because like even even her even the grandpa in the chair, he. He says, you don't smell like Claire. So like yeah. whenever Opal goes outside, wherever, wherever she is, when she's having this daydream and is gone before being like pulled back home. She's she's off being Opal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's fair to call her Opal. But I think I think. It's really I think I, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can honestly like examine all of it and
2: reasonably be like, Yeah the the happy family's the real one.
1: Yeah.
2: I saw somebody refer to this as uh the reverse coraline and I think that's oh. really really smart honestly. Oh, that's good. We spent like a
1: good 30 minutes on Opal and I'm happy about it. I know. It. We spent more time on Opal than Opal spends on Opal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Also, weird weird to put it at the end. Watch Opal before you listen to yeah, watch that. Opal. Watch Opal watch it <laughs> it's really good it's...
0: Um, another movie though that i think you should watch is skinamarink so skinamarink is a from the director's own words a lo-fi experimental horror film um the whole the whole point of skinamarink is well well the the uh, um I was trying to think of the film word for, like, the plot. The, the log line. That's what I was... The log line for Skin of a Rink is two young kids find themselves... Well, two, ki- two kids are in their house and cannot find their parents. And all of the doors and windows start disappearing. So it's very... It's a wacky scary thing. The director specifically said he wanted to make this movie invoke a feeling um and as someone growing up terrified of the dark, it it did that for me. It made me uncomfortable. It's a train wreck type movie where you can't look away, at least for me. Like a lot of it is spent in the dark. There are scenes where it's just the static and the the and Am- amb- ambiguous sounds it doesn't have a soundtrack like there's all these it's great once the movie gets deeper and all the lights start going out and they're feeling these kids are feeling really alone they also find out they're not alone in the house and this monster is telling them to do things like to go upstairs and to like go in the bedroom and eventually Tells the kid to tells the younger boy to stab his eye out. Um, I I really liked it. Um, I've watched it with both times. I watched it with my friend only. Um. <laughs> this feels weird because I feel like a lot of this segment is just gonna
1: be a monologue
0: because <laughs> there's no
1: questions well, or anything. Okay, L- let, me, but... let me let me let <laughs> me push in here real quick, add some yeah. variety. Yes, please. I was <laughs> I was remaining quiet simply because I did not enjoy Skinner in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah. so I I was avoiding throwing negativity to think Samantha really enjoyed. Um, but I can now see that maybe having a little bit of a contrasting point of view could help out here. Yes.
0: It would have been like 10 minutes of just me talking because Caleb is not able to watch this movie because he probably wouldn't been able to sleep for like a week.
1: (laughs) Caleb, Caleb needs to sleep during the month of October and as such cannot partake in all of our festiness. Um, so (laughs) I skin a rink. Okay. I'm I'm going to put it this way, yeah. Skinamarink would have been a fantastic movie in 2007.
0: Okay, obviously I disagree, but
1: um, well, because here's the thing: that's when Paranormal Activity first premiered, and I okay. think Paranormal Activity is the closest comparison I could make to Skinamarink, and the easiest way to draw on my problems with Skinamarink. Okay because both of them lean heavily on a found footage trope and *Skidamarink* is kind of found footage with the lo-fi approach and the angles and the the stuff all of but, the
0: angles and the camera angles are supposed to be like from the view of the kids yeah. it's supposed to be like a yeah. pov basically so that's yeah. why you get all of the like down up, like yeah. short angles looking up like
1: yeah but um paranormal activity spends most of its runtime with not much happening you know it's it's famous for that now the classic joke but like paranormal activity you know it's like oh now it's at night and we're sleeping and we're gonna fast forward through eight hours of sleeping and maybe a shadow will move or maybe this will happen you know and then that way when something does happen the audience is like whoa that was scary but it wasn't really that scary. It was simply a break from it. And so, like, okay. my my frustration with Skin of Merink was that I felt... I felt like it had really, really good tools to make very scary things happen and spent most of the time not doing anything with them. Um, Interesting. So
0: yeah. are you kind of saying that, like if there was more constantly like a monster in the darkness, you would have enjoyed it more.
1: If the last 20 minutes of the movie were the whole movie, like if the whole movie were more like the last 20 minutes, I would have actually had a good time.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um, Cause I, that's what horrified me the most. Cause the whole thing with the static and the darkness it was making faces the entire time for me. And I would, I would like, there were some parts where nothing would happen where I would like cover because I would just be so scared that something is about to happen. And that's yeah. why I liked that so much. Like I like, like the director said, he'd made it to invoke a feeling. And at least for me, it seems, it seems like the two experiences are, I very much felt that feeling and it didn't fully accomplish that. For you to the point of like enjoyment.
1: Yeah, I, I had, a, I have a couple like technical criticisms and things and like frustrations. Um, but like, so what happened though was I was watching and after 20 minutes of nothing really happening, cause at first I was like, Oh, it looks like the shadows are moving. Yeah. But what I realized around the 20, 30 minute mark was that there was nothing in the shadows so i quit being anxious or nervous about it does that like i that never on.
0: went away that never went away for me both and times th- watching it
1: cuz everyone i've talked to about this movie up until i watched it and even after has either really enjoyed it or really disliked it it's and I very think it's polarizing be- i think it is based on whether or not the gimmick keeps holding up for you as it progresses cuz for me i realized because at first I was like, okay, if you have things subtly moving around in this, it's going to be terrifying. But there was nothing moving, and yeah. that's why I quit being like anxious or scared. Because especially like near the end, this is a little bit of a spoiler, a little bit of a bum fiddle. <laughs> in at the end, there are times when there are actual things in the shadows, and it was legitimately scary. Yeah. And if the whole movie had had snippets of that, even just like a thing in the corner of the screen maneuvering. Or, like, just small little bits here and there, I would have gotten a lot more out of it. Um, I think that's fair. But also, the, the sound mixing kind of pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. Interesting. Okay. It was so quiet for so much. To the point where the movie had to... And also, like, the the, the words themselves were not understandable most of the time. Partially because a two-year-old. Yeah. But and also, there's
0: another thing I'm going to say in a
1: bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like it would be super super quiet and then suddenly a scream and i i don't like that tactic much having it occasionally is fine but when i i also caught on that all of the scares in this movie are because i have my volume at 20 points higher than normal <laughs> so it's yeah. like i so it is a movie that could have with a few different changes and approaches, I would have really, really liked it. And I think, like I said, like with Paranormal Activity, had I seen it in 2007 or 2009, I would have adored it. Yeah. But I think now I just didn't. I didn't enjoy it. But I want to hear. I want to hear more of your stuff on it.
0: Yeah, I think if you added things in the darkness, it would ruin the movie. To be honest, the whole point That's fair. of this movie is well let me let me get into the background yeah, yeah, yeah. of it right yeah, get, get so the, the director room. originally before he did any any of I mean this is his directorial debut for a feature film his he debut. had a youtube channel he made this had this YouTube what had this youtube channel called bite sized horror and the whole point is every video is a dream that somebody has had has a nightmare and a nightmare that kept on coming up and kept on coming up is when I was a little kid, I had a nightmare that I was in my house and my parents were gone. Mm-hmm. They were either dead, they were missing something happened. They, they weren't there. And you know, mm-hmm. he took all of those and was like, maybe we can make something out of this. And he made a, a short film an even shorter movie called heck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a 30-minute short film. I haven't watched it. But maybe I was going to bring that up specifically because maybe you didn't like the hour of it, but maybe a 30-minute version
1: might <laughs> might be more Very appealing. possibly it might. Yeah, like, I haven't watched I very it, so much I don't know.
0: It's, it's much more of a proof of concept than anything. But um, it seems like the two sides are maybe there are the people that grew up having those nightmares and then there are the people that didn't because I I remember a lot of those nightmares and being terrified and and it, that's what it really, that's what the movie did for me and why I like it so much is it brought Mm. me back to childhood terror. It brought me back to something relatable and I like darkness was always a thing growing up. So even though there weren't, any things like i said earlier i kept on seeing things in in the shadows and that made it scarier for me because i knew nothing was there (laughs) it's like what the fuck why am i seeing a demon and like there are like by the director's own (laughs) admission, some of the jump scares are cheap (laughs) and shitty but like i just it's also very artsy and like one I kept on I keep on in my back of my mind wanting to bring this up and I haven't brought it up yet. Bring Watching it. Watching it with only, he brought up a very good point of this also feels like the perfect corona COVID COVID horror movie. Because it's mm. the fear of isolation. It's the fear. Of being alone, of not being able to leave your house, not having control, especially as a kid. Like, just think about this movie in the sense of, like, a kid and uh, the daughter and the younger brother, their parents Mm. had to go get food during COVID, and it took, instead of five minutes, it took ten minutes. But to a kid, that's, like, eternity, and it's in the middle of the night and terrifying. Mm. Um, Yeah. That's why I really like it. If you, if anything I've said sounds appealing, you should watch it.
1: I think, I think what this largely comes down to, um, is personal taste. It is, it is a film that is meant primarily to be evocative and it is evocative. Yeah. But that is also the risk of making something that's primary function is to elicit a specific kind of feeling you're going to have a lot of people that it doesn't work for. And in that case, they don't like it. And that's fine. Like not for me does not mean bad movie. It was, yeah. especially as a debut on a shoestring budget, working with constraints of like a two-year-old actor, like children working in his own home. It's awesome. It is. Yeah. It is an, it is a triumphant thing to accomplish. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, And I think, one thing that I got the sense of that I've since no longer thought as much, but I I felt like it was artsy for the sake of it. And that is a pet peeve of mine personally. Um, Like artsy with no real point. And so like that bothered me for a lot of watching. I no longer think of it that way, but that, did. that did color my experience. But That's like, fair. if you, if you read the plot summary, Because I was excited. I thought it sounded really, really cool. And after the movie, I read the plot summary. And if I could see, if I could watch the movie that the plot summary brought to mind, I would have really enjoyed it.
0: I think it might have been better if you didn't read the plot summary. Because I kind of like using this movie as a uh, make your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. Because it's kind of loose enough and vivid enough. And it's supposed to be, it's based off of a dream. And like mm-hmm. that you're talking about the, the voices. That's why I really like how you can't really hear the voices. Cause it adds to the dreamy shitty weirdness of it. Of the It whole
1: does. Thing. It does add to the dreamy weirdness of it.
0: And if you don't um, like that, that's fine.
1: But I did exactly. <laughs> like I just didn't. And so like for me, if I could have watched the movie that the summary made it seem like, it was good, but even the parts where things were happening so much of it was inaudible or un- like there was so much plot I didn't realize the movie had as much plot as it had until I read the summary and that really frustrated me. I hate losing story because of artistic choices if that makes sense like. But again, that's all me.
2: Uh if I'm if I may pitch in, I've got no two things one to kind of support cordell's claim one to support sammy's um which is kind of how this works i've been reading reviews of this movie while you two have been talking i've been listening to you two as well but i've been reading some reviews and one thing that keeps coming up is that no one actually agrees what this movie is about (laughs) yeah everyone has a different interpretation And when the director was asked, is it about this? Is it about this? It seems his general answer is it's about that. And I don't know. Is it about that? I think personally, if you make a movie and you as the person who made the movie can't say what it's actually about and instead go, I don't know. It's up to the audience. That seems lazy. Uh, that just seems kind of lazy and artsy for no reason. Um, but, there's a reason that's, that's experimental
0: a is in the title. I'm just going to say that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, but also at the same time, I'm also time, getting
0: defensive because I really like this movie. And yeah. It, and no,
2: but
1: I'm, did, yeah, it let, seems like let a this, rare thing. Let the sucks. record officially show none of this is an attack on Samantha or her taste. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also,
2: but I also just get to defensive support... about stuff I like, it's just that.
1: Yeah. Oh I, yeah. Well, oh, I get defensive I when people thing. get defensive. So let's do this. <laughs> let's go. Uh,
2: also to support Samantha, uh, after reading the plotline on Wikipedia and watching the trailer, uh, I give this movie a eight out of 10 spooks on the Caleb Burley scale would not watch. Uh, because I would lose sleep for probably a few days Um, I already had a pretty bad time with sleep this past week watching the show so this would have added to it in some not fun ways yeah, yeah. I Caleb said some okay so this, this
1: is a tangent where I'm going to use this as a way to like talk about something and say a pet peeve of mine that doesn't directly have to be about the movie.
0: <laughs> and then we get to talk about cabin in the woods.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yes. think this is going to be a longer episode and that's yeah. deal with it. Um. So I, I went to the Southeastern theater conference one year, SETC. Um, mm-hmm. And they have all these like panels and like, Hey, go learn about this thing. And one of them was, from a university that I will not name directly because I don't, they're, they're, they're small and they don't need that. Um, they had a panel and I was like, oh, I know that university. I know people that went to that university. My brother went to that university. So this university has a panel and I'm like, I'm going to go see that. And what they did was they did a production of Dracula, but they did it meta. And so what, what they decided to do this small theater and in a small school decided when they, and this was, they, they, there was so much that I think was unethical about this, but like they claimed that part of the production, like being a character in the production, came with a scholarship.
2: Okay. And so okay. they had
1: the actors who got cast tell their friends that they were getting a scholarship from being in this show from a company. And the whole meta-narrative that they were trying to structure was that a company of vampires was paying them to put on Dracula.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. And
1: so the whole time, they're having them lie to their friends. And then during the production, <laughs> there's they have a random... Person dressed up in a suit, recording the whole thing for the company. And then they have the the show start breaking down as they go and getting weirder and darker, and like until it gets to a point where an actor is supposed to like have a breakdown on stage because they just can't do it anymore. And then they run off, and then the other actors chase them off. And then, like, one they like go outside, and a car comes by and picks like. The whole—they were trying to do this like wild meta narrative of like these people's lives are being torn apart by a company of vampires making them do Dracula, and it was, it was garbage. It like and they they had recordings from the show, and every single audience member just looked confused and a little annoyed.
0: Yeah.
1: And so like, it was. Just nonsense. and the thing that pissed me off the most and what, what I thought of this because of was yeah. that the technical director for the show was there. And I asked a question and I thought it was a very reasonable question. I was like, weren't you concerned with the f- like w- were you concerned with the fact that most people wouldn't understand what they had witnessed and paid to see? and wouldn't like get the meta-narrative like wasn't that a concern you had and this smug douchebag this prick looks at me and says i actually think that if people understand the art i make then i failed
2: (laughs) oh i want to punch this guy My god (laughs)
1: And yeah. so, thankfully, whoever, like, the guy that made Skinamarink, is not on that level. Yeah. But this this random guy working at this small podunk school in the middle of nowhere <laughs> puts on the trashiest thing you ever saw and is like, you know, if people understand the art I make, I think it's a failure.
2: God, I wish yeah. you knew his name. I would put him on blast. I would <laughs> find this man. At least Skinamarink like,
0: like, boy in an interview was like, hey, a lot of people don't like this movie, and I... And I understand. No, that's fine. <laughs> He's like, that's but fine. It's like, it's, movies are subjective. <laughs> this guy's like to know.
1: Th- I yeah, failed. If you <laughs> understood it, I'm upset. Like, what, what the f- fuck? Because there's, there's a, like, we've all seen Inception. Yeah. There are hot debates on the nature of dreams and whether or not they were in a dream at the end. But they didn't make an incomprehensible movie that no one could even understand the conceit of and then tell you that it's good that you didn't get it. Like, it's it's one thing to end a show like, oh, are they dead? Are they alive? But to be like, yeah, we crafted a meta narrative and it sucked. Like, this isn't the Blair Witch Project.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's Dracula.
1: It's, it's, it's frigging Dracula and you're, you're a very, very, very small university. (laughs) Yeah. Tiny. Also the, the demographic in that town would not understand or even, even in that school, no no one would get that. Yeah.
0: Like if you can probably do a meta narrative with something else, but especially not Dracula.
1: No one's going to buy a meta narrative that vampires are real and also have a high stake of investment in yeah. this small university. Yes. But even more than that, like the most unethical part to me was the fact that they had students lie to their friends about getting a scholarship. You know how much resentment that's that would build to be like, yeah, we all audition. And then I find out the people in the show also got money for school. Like that's <laughs> ludicrous.
0: <laughs> that's too much. So let's. Uh. So, meta narratives, though, huh?
1: Yeah. Meta narratives. (laughs) We did it again. It's Cabin in the Woods time. Our transitions are on point this episode.
2: I really like Cabin in the Woods. Tell us about it.
0: Well, I hate it, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I actually really like
1: Cabin in the Woods, too. (laughs) For the Um. next month, Samantha did not like anything Caleb and
2: Cordell (laughs) liked. No, that's it's only It's really awkward when they brought up Superman. Um anyway. <laughs>
0: um <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We got we we got to revamp that discussion. That'll be fun. That'll be, be a be fun, fun. junk. I I
2: uh, yeah. Let's yeah, let's have a junk house where we do the Superman debate again, but this time we can use swear words. Um
0: <laughs> Yeah, and we flip sides.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a big superhead now. Yeah, I hate super head. I love head. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> what's
0: going on with Cabin in the Woods?
2: <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. You come a lot of people have seen it, but let's let's be real. It's basically a movie that says, "Hey, all those horror movies, it's an agency that made them happen uh to make sure that gods don't rise up from the center of the earth and take over everything." Yeah. Yeah. It's important Um, that they don't do that. It it is important. Is it important, uh, though? (laughs) Well, we got a movie for you. (laughs) The Olivia watched a little bit of it with me, and we both had a moment at the same time, which then I Googled it and found out it was intentional, and I was very happy that we both had this at the same point. But a, a group of college students drive out to a cousin's cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere for a weekend away. That yep. is the basic premise. If you were like going to explain this movie without spoiling any single part of what makes it cool with that which is. Like, yeah. But if yeah.
1: you want to spoil a brief bit of what makes it cool to kind of hook person, hook someone into watching it because the first scene of the movie yeah is it introduces you to this concept. The five college students go out to their cousin's cabin in the woods for a fun weekend away. And unbeknownst to them, a mysterious organization is trying to make a horror movie happen to them.
0: Yeah. The movie starts in like an office building with people yeah. in like suits and ties. And then it cuts with no information, it cuts to the college kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but what was the moment you were telling? When they, Olivia had
2: when they drove up to the house in the middle of the woods Olivia and I both in unison said that's the evil dead house yes yep and uh, it turns out it is yep. they they rebuilt the facade of the evil they built a facade of the evil dead house which then made it fun fact to where evil dead rise which I have not seen yet was supposed to go back to the house, but the director didn't do it because he thought people would associate it with Cabin in the Woods and not Evil Dead.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's,
2: that's that's awesome.
0: That's hilarious.
2: Yeah, and and
1: so like the we're we're gonna start bum fiddling now we're for the bum third fiddle. time and for the third time in one episode we're gonna fiddle some bums.
0: We're finger and butt. This is the, this is the second hottest bum fiddling episode
1: yet. We have put the most fingers and butts this episode of any <laughs> podcast ever.
0: While we're bum fiddling. So it's like the, the two Yeah, yeah. Sides. That
1: that's unrelated to the movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the secret the secret of this episode. We all all were seeing how many fingers we could cram up there.
0: I got three.
1: I got well, do thumbs
2: count <laughs> as fingers? Thumbs are fingers in this. In this instance. case, yes. Twelve.
0: Holy Ah! shit.
2: (laughs)
1: Anyway. so. So this movie is a meta narrative. Like the whole point of the movie is that the organization making horrible things happen to these teenagers is a reference to film studios and writers making horror movies and the, the like ancient gods that will rise up if they fail. That's the audience. That's us. (laughs) That's us. And so we're in the
2: movie. We're
1: in the movie and we're bad. So it's like (laughs) the whole, the whole movie is playing with and twisting and riffing on horror tropes that the audience expects. There's a specific order that the teens have to die in, and there's a there's a little bit of looseness, but there's a specific order. They have to transgress in some way so that they can die. They're like they're uh, all the horror tropes that the audience expects, the movie makes into a sacred ritual that they have to do correctly or the world <laughs> ends, aka, they don't get money from their movie. Yeah.
0: And there's even like, they even leave plot holes in there. Like, yeah. Like the, at the very end, I forget which of the last two that are alive, but one of them goes, you know, I don't think boy even has a cousin. Yeah. <laughs> like, I
1: don't think he even has a cousin. <laughs> and, and so like, it's so good. It's fantastic. um. There's really like a lot of people have already seen it, but if you haven't seen cabin in the woods, it is my favorite horror movie.
2: Um, there were a few moments in this movie. There is a few moments. Yeah. There's a few moments in this movie that I want to shout out specifically. Uh, one is the telescoping bong that turns into a coffee cup. They made that. that. They made that for
1: real for the movie. Like they built a practical prop that could do that. We could, I want that. Okay, for the audience. The the main, my favorite character, maybe one of my favorite characters in any movie ever, Marty is the stoner of the group. And he rolls up, smoking a huge bong, smoke flying out the window, stoned. (laughs) And they're like, Marty, what are you doing? And he's like, "Uh, It's a fact. That a cop will not pull over a guy smoking a big bong. They fear his wisdoms. <laughs> like they know he sees farther than they do. And then he, like, tells us he, like, re- reduces the bong in size to a travel coffee mug and reattaches the handle and goes on his way. He's the coolest, best character and the yeah. secret main character of the movie.
0: Yeah. Oh, we have to quickly say as well: the Jock character is played by Chris Hemsworth.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> I think he had only done the first Thor at this point when this yeah. movie came out.
0: Because yeah, wait. Because the first this Thor was came 2011. Out in tw- first Thor came out 2011. Says Google. The, this came out
1: before Thor. Yeah, this was so before what? he was Thor. <laughs> um, but like essentially, <clears throat> loose loose arc of the plot they the teens start dying things go wrong here and there and so we cut to the organization having to like do things on the fly to make it work and make it happen um and really most of it is because they use chemical stuff to make people more susceptible to their tricks marty's stash that had been treated his stash of drugs that had been treated was not what he brought along
0: <laughs>
1: and so he made it made him aware of what they were doing and he was able to find a way down into the organization and it gets to the point at the end of the movie where it's just him and dana who is the quote-unquote virgin and even even they're like yeah we work with what we have you just got to be purer than the rest but like you watch as these reasonable mature college students become stereotypes and die and then it's just marty and dana and Sigourney Weaver's the leader of the organization. <laughs> yeah. She explains to Dana that if she doesn't kill Marty, the world ends. And there's a whole fight. Dana yeah. almost does it and then in decides not to. And so as the world ends, these two sit down and smoke a joint together. Talking about like how the kind of the world deserves it. Like maybe it's time to give someone else a shot. If if they have to go through all of that just for the rest of the world to survive, then maybe the world shouldn't. Yeah. And then it ends with a giant hand crashing out of the ground and slapping the screen and the movie ends. Gah. Just you. like that. It makes that sound. Yeah. Gah. Goodbye planet. But it's it's <laughs> so good. They they they're like There's a whole, like, basically zoo, like, all of these cages with all these horror entities that they could have summoned. And each of them is a reference to a different genre or a different character or a different monster. And there is... If you pause in any given moment with those monsters running loose, it is fantastic to, like, see what they crammed in there. Very possible movie. Yeah. Very, very possible movie. And, like, also, they... (laughs) They have a part where they're like, they're like nightmares. And actually, and a woman goes, actually, they're the things nightmares are from. And so the movie's explanation is that all of the horror tropes and all these things we are scared of are because those things were real. And they're just naturally occurring remnants of the old world that we have captured and used to conduct these rituals. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I I also like in the towards the beginning of the movie, the people that work in the agency are placing bets on what yeah. um what horror they will bring these idiots teenagers will bring to kill them. Yeah. And it's so funny and one of my favorite things is from the very beginning of the movie, one of the main two people we see in the agency keeps talking about how he wishes that they would pick Merman he wishes that the merman would be what kills them and beautifully <laughs> at out. the end of the movie he gets his face eaten by a merman and it's <laughs> he goes, so good. come on <laughs>
1: yeah he goes come on and then the merman's eating him and out of the blowhole spurts blood it's beautiful it's it's a good practical yeah. effect
2: um also did y'all recognize the man that got his face eaten by a merman uh he's the dad in get out uh, he is the oh, dad that says right. that I would have voted for His name's for Obama Bradley. Wow. The third time. Yeah, like that's where Bradley Whitford from. or something like that. Amazing, Bradley actor. Whitford. That's it. Yeah, a, a great actor. Amazing, great actor. Yeah. Um, and he's so
1: funny oh, in in Cabin. The the movie does such a good job too of like juxtaposing the terrors. Like, there's a point where. It's just Dana or you think it's just Dana because no one knows Marty survived where she's getting attacked and thrown around by the last of the redneck zombie cannibals. And <laughs> and as she's getting attacked, it zooms out and zooms to the office party they're having because it's a job well done. We did it. And all the while in the background, it's her getting tortured and attacked by this hulking monster while everyone's drinking and flirting and having a good time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter if she lives or not. It's fine.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, ah, oh, such a such a good movie. And one of my favorite ones is there's a part whenever Chris Hemsworth and his girlfriend go off to have sex in the woods right before uh-huh. the first death happens. And it cuts and the office room, the viewing room is full of male employees just staring at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they're like, come on, come on, come wow. on, take your top um, off. And they're like, get out of here. We have a job to do.
2: Um,
0: One of my favorite little jokes during the bedding scene are once, once the redneck, the mm-hmm. cannibal zombie redneck family.
1: Yeah, the redneck the torture ch- zombie redneck yeah. torture family. That's that, it.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, it says that on the board. And somebody's like, wait, but I I bet for zombies. And he goes, Oh, yeah, you chose zombies. This is zombie
1: redneck murder family. <laughs> He's like, it's different. He goes, It's the difference
2: <laughs> between an elephant and an elephant seal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, um ugh. this was also uh A movie where I realized my dog is a psychopath. um, (laughs) Yeah. Because, and I texted Cordell and Sammy about this, like as it was happening. My dog, (laughs) this past week, whenever I've put on a horror movie, and I didn't realize it until last night, has just laid down beside me and watched the screen the whole time that it's going and has been so calm and sweet and not doing anything my dog likes watching people be tortured is what i think is happening what a good dog
0: what we have to test is you just you don't even have to watch it but just like put on saw
2: the most
0: torturous saw and leave and let and maybe a camera so you can see
2: if yeah I'll do that and put a camera on him and just watch him just, like, fall in love with Jigsaw or something. Yeah. like, oh, I like give me ideas. The
1: you should movie. get him a little Jigsaw plushie if it works. Aww. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, one of my, uh, sorry, I'm a big Cabin in the Woods fan. So a lot of this is just me being like, You're oh, fine. and also, oh, and also, one of my favorite lines that they have is actually during the part, all the dudes have left. And they're they're like, Chris Hemsworth and his girl are, like, getting it on. And the the guard in the room with the guys running the organization, he's, like, uncomfortable. It's his first day at work. Poor guy. And he's, he's like, why do we have to watch this? Like, why does this have to happen? And I was, like, do we really, like, does this really need to happen? And uh, Bradley Whitford's character goes, we're not the only ones watching. And I I think yeah. that is an excellent, like, kind of encapsulation of the movie's point of like why do all of these things have to happen in horror movies whether it's sex scenes or torture or whatever the answer is we're not the only ones watching like there, there is an audience that has developed a set of things they expect and that they require and whether or not you mm-hmm. like them sometimes you gotta like eat crow and put that in your movie anyway because people have an expectation
2: there's also a little bit of social commentary mm-hmm. in this movie with the fact that every other country in the world does the same thing. Yes. Uh yeah. and in other parts of the, in every other country in the world this year, uh everyone lives. Everyone made it out. They fought their horror, got their monster. Nobody died. So it all and falls they, on the US. It all falls on the US. And even then they're like when it, comes to, when it comes to horror and when it comes to this, you can always count on the U.S. And, like, it's so... The, mm-hmm. the layers within that is just beautiful. It's like a beautiful yeah. cake. Layers also, on layers
1: on layers. Like layers. Well, it's incredible because the, there are only two that haven't failed. <clears throat> and it's Japan and the U.S. And when Japan fails, it cuts to this classroom of little girls Finishing an exorcism ritual. They're all in their school uniforms, of course. All these Japanese schoolgirls exorcise the ghost and put her into the body of a happy frog to be happy. And they're all cheering. And as the little girls are cheering, it pulls out. And it's one of the two guys just flipping off the camera, just like screaming at them. He's so angry. (laughs) (laughs) How hard is it to
0: kill a classroom of 12-year-olds or
1: whatever he says? So, So it's like... It's just such a good movie. It is. It is across the board. Every time I rewatch it, I pick up on new stuff. Especially when you rewatch it, knowing that um, that Marty is the main character. Yeah. Also, for that wonderful fans, Reggie was loosely based on Marty. Got that ended up sense. being a very different character, but like, Marty yeah. is such a good dude and such a clever dude, and he's he's got the best jokes in the movie and the best lines. And the best action stuff. He's just the best. I love. It.
0: He's so he's so good. It's, it's a great movie. I well, I watched it with only again, mm-hmm. and it was only's first time watching it. Oh. So it was really funny to like be going along with him, and he would like say random theories. He, he was like, "Oh wait, is this is is this where they make all of the horror movies?"
1: And it was like yeah
0: like, kind of, Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. the point is yeah but it was
1: yeah it was great my one complaint with the movie is just a like three five seconds clip that should have been removed and so within the like canyon they're in where the where the cabin is there's a force field around it to keep them mm-hmm. contained the only yeah. way in or out is through a tunnel, tunnel. in the mountain And that no one, none of the people, none of the students know that whenever they pass through the tunnel very early in the movie, a bird flies by, hits the force field and dies and reveals that there's a force field. And then later on, Chris Hemsworth's character dies by trying to jump the gorge to escape and get help. And his motorcycle hits the force field and he falls into the ravine. Yeah. And I think they should have not had the bird spoil the force field's presence.
2: I actually like the bird because when I saw Chris Hemsworth start to jump, I got that feeling. I still get the feeling in my chest of like, no, 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 no. Because I know what's going to happen.
1: I I get that. But I think it would have been better with a full shock factor of like, there's a force field. And then you're like, of course there's a force field. I I understand both ways, but me personally, my one complaint is I wish they didn't show the force field earlier.
0: Well, I'm sorry, but in this case, it's Chekhov's force field. You have to, you have to, you know, set it up so that you can shoot the force field. Yeah. By the third act.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The force field has the shoot bullet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do think though, that like this movie could have gotten away with a complete surprise. If any movie could have done it, it was this one.
0: Here's the one thing I will say, though. If it was a full surprise, it would lessen how funny it is after the initial shock of him hitting. Him, like, doing the spider thing down the fourth field, at least to me, is kind of funny.
2: That's fair. Thought, I thought it was fun. And also, like, I think showing it beforehand, it it just... It sets up so many things. Exactly what Sammy said. It's Chekhov's force field. <laughs> you have to set it up in the first act for it to pay off in the third. And it it also like I I think it shows you it shows you early on how this movie's gonna go. Yeah. Yeah. Like it shows you there is no way they escape. There like that ain't gonna happen. And that I I think is not only like good for the movie I think it's necessary For the That's movie fair. That's fair it, It's a personal you. critique Good for you movie Uh wait
1: Sorry there's a knock at my door Let me go get that Wait what Ow oh, whoa no what, no what no Hello it's me John normal man Oh my
2: God. I, I was in the this area campaigning. Yeah, this is scary. This is scary. I realize it was for me.
0: Yeah, this is terrifying, but I realize John has always been with us. If you look at Cordell's blanket, the way the lettering on the white part is looks like it says John.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> okay. I just had to say that because that, I noticed that.
1: Hello, you John. could say that I'm always with you. Maybe. I certainly listen to the podcast, so I oh. am aware of the goings on. i Good. do I do like to keep tabs on people who owe me money I'll,
0: I'll get you the I'll get you the money. I'll get you the money. I promise how much
1: How much did we agree it was again? Uh, I think it was five
0: dollars. No,
1: I think it was a lot Shit. more than
0: that. Um <laughs> fuck. I think it was like a like fifteen
1: hundred. It was a lot, but fear not. Your debt will be settled today. My uh, collectors are extracting it from Cordell's flesh. Uh, oh. Oh. I oh. am owed money. And but I thought are, I owed money. I got to him first. No. <laughs> my debt. So while my collectors are extracting your debt from his flesh, I'm here to talk about a very deep problem with Oktoberfest. Oh. I have a deep and abiding issue with it as an institution and as an entity. Hear this. You've been watching movies and TV shows and doing spooky things all month, and none of them have passed a very important test.
0: The Bechdel test.
1: It is a test that is shockingly easy to pass and disturbingly few works pass it it is not the Bechdel test. Oh. What is what? it? It is the Dave Coulier test.
2: I always forget about the Dave oh, Coulier test. You're I so right. I forget about it. Yeah. You're you're right.
1: That's right. America's Sweetheart and Detroit, Michigan native Dave Coulier.
2: <laughs> better known as Uncle Joey in Full House. Isn't it Elena Elena Smorsett's ex? Yes, at one point.
1: They did they did date briefly. More than briefly. I was very upset when their relationship ended. However fair. the Dave Coulier test is a very simple test that any work of fiction that is worth observing should pass. It must either include Dave Coulier or have a conversation where two characters discuss Dave Coulier <laughs> or a character that Dave Coulier has portrayed. Oh. Okay Okay. Okay. None of your none of your Oktoberfest watches have included or passed the Dave what Coulier if, test.
0: What if one of the actors has a similar wow. vibe to Dave Coulier?
1: That does not pass the test. Okay. That's like if the Bechdel test could pass by two women saying
2: nothing at all. That technically um, does <laughs> <laughs> So are you saying we need to watch seasons three through seven of the real Ghostbusters cartoon? Possibly. Where Dave you- Coulier voices Peter Venkman?
1: You could also watch Scooby and Scrappy Doo, where Dave Coulier voices Muscle's Malone in an episode.
2: I'd rather I'd rather jump off a cliff than watch anything to do with Scrappy Doo, other than the live action Scooby Doo movie.
1: You could also possibly watch the Thirteenth Year, the nineteen ninety nine Disney Channel original movie about so, a thirteen year old. So- Swimmer, who learns he's a mermaid.
2: This is... See, the problem, Mr. Normal Man, Uh, is that I can't think of an actual spooky movie with Dave Coulier in it. And that
1: is That's why Oktoberfest must end. <gasps> it does not honor Dave Coulier, America's sweetheart and Detroit, Michigan native.
0: Wait. No, I got it. We can just uh-huh. watch the horror episodes the horror the halloween episodes of a not full only full house but how i met your mother because he was in an episode of how i met your mother so technically dave coulier was in how i met your mother as himself
1: exactly so a how i met your mother episode would suffice
0: what about farce of the penguins
1: that's it can terrifying. quite, quite literally anything that passes the Coulier test is acceptable, but I came here wow. to right or wrong. I've very strong opinions on Dave Coulier.
0: Okay. Last question though. Does yes. Dave Coulier playing Tom Hanks in Pinky in the Brain, does that count?
1: Yes. Okay. Cause Dave Coulier is portraying a character. This was primarily a debt collecting visit. I they are removing some of Cordell's internal organs, but I did what? I did want to bring to mind an injustice for you to think about. I, this podcast it, is
2: now passing the Coulier test. You're welcome. I I want to. Are you removing any of? Because Cordell has a massive hog. Is it is it going to be affected? No, his
1: hog will remain untouched. I couldn't oh, destroy man. such a work of art. That's fair. That's fair <laughs> it is it has been called the Eighth Wonder of the World by those who have experienced it, and
2: I could not I call depri- it the eighth and ninth honestly because it's it's big enough you know <laughs> if you
1: if you count the dick and balls, it is definitely the eighth ninth, and tenth that, I, mean, I and I do oh
0: and I do
1: anyway i'm I'm now out of Gatorade, and so I'm gonna go get some more Gatorade. I think the procedure's done. Cordell should wake up in a few seconds. Please, I implore you, find something that passes the coolie test and experience it, even if it's in November. Oktoberfest is a profane institution for honoring all things uncoolie.
0: We, okay, we, we'll do it. We'll try some Dan, Dan Vember.
1: Okay, Dave, Dave Vember. It's right there.
0: Coolie, Coolio
1: member. I'll leave you to work that out. Your debt is now <laughs> forgiven. Um, I need to find out. We're taking, tell Cordell we're taking some of his ice packs out of his freezer. Like the really nice one, not the crappy one. Okay. Shit, okay. Okay. In Coulier we trust. Goodbye.
2: I don't feel so good, guys. Oh, what happened oh, to your skin? Have- it's, it's gone. Oh. Uh, John normal man was here He said he was gonna take Some ice packs out of your freezer Did he take the good ones He said yeah. he was gonna take the good ones <laughs> John
1: I told him last time not so, to take the good, pie, the I good thought, You I started locking your door you Well really I opened do. it he, you really do it. He has never Entered without my permission I don't know why I keep telling him he can You gotta stop letting him come You really gotta stop letting John come Listen He's drinking enough Gatorade that I know he kind of needs it. That's
2: that's fair. That's, that's he got to
0: he's got to let loose, you know? That's fair.
1: That's what I'm saying. And also can't, uh can't. Samantha I'm not saying that you owe me a new kidney, but uh
0: you can, yeah. I mean
1: I'm diabetic. Um, I, I can't I give you. organs, so. Yeah, yeah. Caleb, listen, it wasn't your debt that I suffered to pay. I'm essentially this podcast's Jesus.
0: I'll get back to you That's in three pretty, to four on, business wait.
2: days. Hold on. I, I'm hearing, I'm hearing something. <laughs> let me, let me look.
0: A double uh, yeah.
2: again. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. What? what? So, so it's oh, an hour oh, and a half. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh. I'm just coming here to say one thing. Talk about John Stamos or I'll kill you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick one. What did, what just happened? Uh, that was,
1: Carl that was cons- yeah, Conspiracy Carl came by to tell us to talk about John Stamos or he'll kill us all.
2: He's a heartthrob. I guess that's enough. That's all we
1: got to say, right? <laughs> now, he- here's what I will say. I, I did. So John Normalman left a copy of his memoir oh, and God. a startlingly large amount of my normal life. Is about Dave Coulier and his impact
2: on John's childhood. Ooh. I mean, that that's funny because cons- Conspiracy Carl lifts a piss soaked diner napkin that says, I love John, <laughs> and that's it.
1: Is that Stamos <laughs> or normal, Van? We don't know. Oh, my God. Oh. Maybe the maybe debate
0: that- will turn into a a romance enemies to
1: lovers flesh, f- sex is a flesh debate we all know this
2: oh, speaking of sad. flesh debates there's only one that I love and it's Psycho Billy Freak <laughs> out by the Reverend Orton <laughs> 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 off the album smoke a you
0: I fully laughed I fully laughed from that one.
1: <laughs> oh.
2: Ugh. Well, thank
0: you for that. Oh God! Thank you for that, Reverend of the Horton Heats. If you It'd like be, us, yeah. If you liked this long episode, you can rate and review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. After the,
2: after the last ten minutes, I'm I'm okay if you don't like us. I get it. I understand. <laughs> this is the
1: the the <laughs> harshest left turn an episode has taken thus I've, far. Oh God. Also, we have John. a TikTok and Twitter.
0: If you want to check those out, Junkhouse Pod,
1: Junkhouse Pod. Yeah. If if you would like to email us, uh, tell us who's better, Coulier or Stamos. You can do that at junkhousemailbox at gmail.com. Um. Actually,
0: tell us me- also which one you, which uh, which candidate you uh, relate to more, John Normalman or Conspiracy Carl. Uh, We just want some preliminary, preliminary, you know, statistics. We're trying to, you know, get in before the debate. And My camera died.
1: It's going to be a big time debate time. We don't have any emails this week outside of the normal capitalist hellscape that is the promotions tab of Gmail. Um, But there's nothing scarier than that. I'm terrified just looking at it. Oh my yeah. God,
0: Nickel Pickle can tw- uh, uh, did something on TikTok.
2: Ha ha ha. Um, this is a good time. Uh, Cordell, what can we watch next week? So,
1: for this coming up, upcoming week, I think we talked about only watching one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would say that a pretty good one. Ah. Uh, I'm I'm probably going to end up watching more than one. Are we wanting a more lighthearted romp or a little bit on the spookier end? Because we we kind of had we were inundated
2: a little bit this week. If we could go lighthearted, yeah. I would appreciate. I was going to say that. something for for Caleb. Uh, if you want Caleb to say a movie instead for Cordell's October Fest of um, just
0: to confirm what, that you're that it can be yeah. one that you can watch,
2: but yeah, yeah.
1: If you have anything yeah. in mind, I was I was leaning toward possibly Gremlins.
2: I thought about that um I'm I'm looking up the name of this movie cuz it's it's been a minute uh and it's one that I think we need to revisit as a society. Uh I say we watch Monster House.
0: Yo! I'm down and- to watch Monster House. I love that
2: society movie. has fallen
1: since monster house fell out of the public mind
2: i agree so i i, love I think that movie i think maybe we watch monster house
1: let's do it excellent excellent
2: then i will put out
1: as a secondary offer to samantha watch gremlins one and two if you get a chance. Tell yeah. me if you're gonna, and I will try and rewatch them as well. I have them both on DVD because they're so delightful. They came in a three pack with The Goonies.
0: Okay, gamer mode with Goonies too. I haven't seen Goonies. I need to watch that as well.
1: Goonies is pretty good. Not not necessarily Oktoberfest, but like it's a yeah. good watch.
0: That's a classic. That's what <clears> I've it's heard of classic.
1: Least. Yeah. As we say every week. Hi, this is the cold open, and it's a good one.
0: Yeah, this is the, we put it, we put it at the beginning. This is us putting this part at the beginning, because it's a good cold open, and everyone's laughing. (laughs) Ha ha (laughs) ha
2: ha. (laughs) Don't, if I, don't pay attention if I say about putting a Muppet's head in my ass.
1: What? Yeah, if that happens to come up in the episode, pay no mind. If,
0: if I don't say it, know that I meant it. I want to put a Muppet's head up. It's it's a psychophilia freak out!